Mamas podcast. We're two modern mamas with the goal to inspire empowerment, self-love, deep physical and spiritual nourishment, holistic health, and joy, no matter your journey, gender, or perspective. I'm Laura of Radical Roots. I'm a certified CrossFit trainer, certified nutrition consultant, and mama to Edie Wilder. And I'm Jess of Hold Space Wellness. I'm a level one CrossFit trainer, a licensed and certified athletic trainer with a master's in kinesiology and mama to Baron Camille. Please note that while we're here to provide advice and insights, we aren't medical practitioners and always recommend that you check with a trusted provider before implementing any changes. Thanks for joining us. We're so happy you're here. Hi friends, Laura here. Before we dive into this week's episode, I just want to touch base and provide a bit of a warning that this episode is very touching, very, very powerful, but also deals with a topic that can be triggering for some people. So Sidel shares her story of the loss of her daughter at 38 weeks, and we dive deep. She's very vulnerable, very honest, very open, and we are so touched to have her on the podcast. But I did want to let you know before you start listening, just in case this might be a trigger for you to make sure you listen when your heart is ready. Thank you so much for being here. We are so grateful for this community, and we hope that this topic begins a conversation or continues a conversation that is so important because we are all in this together. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Modern Mamas podcast. This is Lori here this week with a very, very special guest, and I am I can't even tell you how honored I am and touched that Sidel has decided to come on the podcast today and share her story and the story of her daughter, Boston. And so I will kind of just leave it there for now. I'd like to introduce her first and then get into her story and dive into a topic that is certainly not easy to talk about, but incredibly important. And so without further ado, welcome Sidel to the podcast. She's a pediatric nurse and wife to JT, who is a police officer in her, in their home city. They were both born and raised in the Pacific Northwest, which is actually where I am now. So I'm sure we can chat a little bit about that as well. Their world has been flipped upside down after their daughter, Boston, died at 38 weeks from a true knot in her cord in February. Since then, Sidel has been trying to figure out how to make sense in life all while honoring her daughter. So we are going to dive in a little bit more. Obviously, this is not an easy topic, and I just want to thank you again for your courage. And just I, the, I just have the utmost admiration for you for so many reasons. I've been following you on Instagram and have just kind of seen your processing and your openness. And so first and foremost, I want to say thank you. And second, I would love for you to maybe share a little bit about yourself with our listeners, because I know this community is so tight-knit. It might be relatively large, but we all are here for each other to hold space and to share and to learn and to support. So if you could, in your own words, introduce yourself to, to our wonderful listeners. Yeah. So I, like you said, I'm a pediatric nurse. So I currently actually work in the oncology clinic for kiddos and we live here in Puyallup where my husband's a police officer. We're kind of just like the the young fun-loving couple that kind of did, you know, checked all the boxes that you're supposed to check before starting a family and we've been on that kind of journey now for about 2 years. We've almost been married 2 years now to the day. We met 
at a bar actually <laughs> that we worked at that our good friends own like four or five years ago. And we kind of the rest is history. His parents just peel off Washington. I mean, his <laughs> kind of where we stand here, his parents, his grandparents all have grown up in this city. So we're kind of here to stay and we love it. JT's partner actually moved into a house just like four houses down from us. So we kind of do life alongside of our friends and our friends are super, super important to us. And yeah, I don't know. <laughs> well, I'm glad it sounds like you have a pretty tight knit group of, you know, a community there to, to kind of yeah. lean on through this, through every phase of marriage and Right. Parenthood and, you know, challenge and hardship and all of that. So, yeah. And you said you have family nearby as well. Yeah, we do. um, My, um, his family lives here local and then my family's about 20 minutes away. So we're surrounded by a lot of supportive people, you know, supporting us the best way that they know how. But it's, it's interesting the way that your community kind of shifts after trauma, I guess. And we've really felt that shift in our lives. Gosh, we'll definitely have to dive into that because I know yeah. I want to talk more about Boston first, but but I do sure. think it's important to talk about like how that shift happens because many women go through stillbirth and the mm-hmm. it's one in one sixty is the the most recent statistic that I I've heard. I don't know if you know. Yeah, that that's that's pretty accurate. Accurate, yeah. Still to the day, it's actually pretty crazy. I've done a lot of research, as you can imagine, yes. and I've read that. Within the last 30 years, the statistics haven't really changed Mm. as medicine has changed and evolved and grown and the rate of stillbirth hasn't changed. So yeah, that one in 160 is still, still accurate. Man, I imagine the rabbit holes you could get down with, with researching, Uh (laughs) my gosh, and with having so much of it at our fingertips too. That's another thing we should dive into. But before we get into all of that stuff, I would love for you to share your daughter's story in, you know, whatever capacity feels comfortable for you. Yeah. So we got married September, 2017, and we went on our honeymoon in October and we just kind of were like, let's just live our life. Let's just wing it and see what happens. And we just started trying, not trying, knowing that we would accept whatever happens. And we ran into a couple kind of roadblocks, I guess, found out in February of 2018 that I have a condition called hyperprolactinemia. And it's where my pituitary gland more than likely has a microadenoma. It's called a small mass on my pituitary gland, which hyperactivates my gland. And then that hyperactive state that it does imbalances my hormones. So I don't ovulate unless I'm on medication to suppress that hormone. So finding that out in February was kind of like a big, you know, gut check because, you know, it it had been five-ish months since we've been trying. No luck come to find out we wouldn't have gotten pregnant even if we, you know, prayed and wanted to all along. So I got on medication and within six weeks, I was ovulating regularly and we had gotten pregnant in April and we soon after lost that pregnancy to miscarriage. And then we just had one cycle in between and we got pregnant with Boston in June and my pregnancy was amazing. (laughs) Like I'm one of those women that people roll their eyes at because I loved being pregnant. I was like, felt the most beautiful. I 
felt so good about myself. I was in the best shape. I was eating the best. I like really loved being pregnant. It was super uncomplicated besides the fact that I didn't gain hardly any weight with her pregnancy. At delivery, I had only gained a total of 15 pounds. And I'm a super small, petite person. So I was expecting to kind of pack on the pounds. But other than no weight gain, I it was uncomplicated, super, it was a breeze. So with her kind of going to what happened and when we find out, found out, try to hold it together here. Uh, Don't feel like you have to, (laughs) whatever's gonna, you know, (laughs) safe space. You know, with the miscarriage, I was, I'm, I'm kind of a type A being a nurse, especially kind of overly paranoid. I like to have an answer type person. And so I had bought a home Doppler early on because I just was like, if there's any reassurance in the world, it's our heartbeat, right? Like that's a sign of life. So we're good. I checked it pretty regularly until about 24 weeks. I'm like, okay, 24 weeks, we're viable, we're good. If she were to be born early, you know, chances are she's going to live. And then towards the end, I started doing it again. And I don't know why. It was kind of just like that, again, just kind of gut feeling like I just need to make sure she's okay. The weekend that we found out, we had a massive snowstorm here in Washington. I think it's the most snow I've ever seen since living here. And I've lived here my whole life. We had like a total of like 18 inches or something crazy. And we had such a fun weekend. We were outside with our neighbors and our all the neighbors' kids. And we sledded and I got on a sled and JT pulled me. It was just so fun. I was hugely pregnant. I, you know, hugely 15 pounds, hugely, but whatever. I was feeling like, okay, she's coming soon. Like I'm feeling tired. I I don't feel good. My hips hurt the whole thing, but I'm like, you know, we're not even 38 weeks yet. So, you know, the snowstorm passes, we're able to kind of drive out of our driveway or our, out of our neighborhood and whatnot. And my husband goes to work on that Tuesday morning. He goes in late because of the snow. I had an eyelash appointment, so I was getting ready and it's about nine o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, gosh, I haven't Like I haven't felt her move at all. And it was weird. I was just like, that's really weird. I've been up since six. You know, normally she's kind of a wild banshee in the morning, especially once I get up and eat something and she hadn't moved at all. And I'm like, that's just strange. So I just started or continued to get ready. And then I'm like, okay, I have to leave in like the next three minutes or I'm going to be late for my appointment, but let me just check her, her heartbeat. And I grabbed my Doppler, like any old thing. I was literally running out the door and I'm like, and I couldn't, you know, find it. And I was almost 38, you know, 37 weeks and five days at that point. And super easy. You can, you can find it pretty easy. And there was nothing. And I was using aloe vera (laughs) with the Doppler. And I'm like, maybe it's the aloe vera. It's not real ultra ultrasound gel. Let me go grab a packet that I had. And I ran downstairs and I grabbed a packet and I used that and I still couldn't, couldn't find it. And then at that instant, I just felt like I knew she wasn't there anymore. And I had called JT. He was, I mean, he had just left within minutes of me doing this. And I was just screaming on the phone saying that I couldn't find her heartbeat And he just was, you know, it was just this panic. I mean, that, that time went really slow and we're both just screaming. I can't find it. He just is screaming, keep trying. And he got back here in no time. And I was just 
crying knowing that she was gone. And we went to our local hospital, not the one that I was planning on um, delivering at, but <clears throat> the local one because it was closer. And they raced me up to labor and delivery. And still, in, I had kind of in this, in hindsight, in the back of my mind going, well, you know, it's just this $30 home Doppler. Maybe it's, maybe it's faulty. But then on the same breath, I felt like I knew, I knew that she was gone. And I guess to backtrack a little bit that weekend of the snowstorm, I said so many times out loud, she's just not acting the same. She's just not moving as much. And she wasn't. She was taking these really long breaks of not moving. And I kind of just thought, gosh, we're getting to the end. She's she's saving up her energy for the big day and she's running out of room or, you know, I tried to tell myself any excuse that I could that she wasn't moving as much because of and not really like because she's in trouble and we need to get her help. So that whole weekend, I kind of knew something was funky with her. And, you know, we're like, let's just get through the storm. And if she's still not doing, you know, the same on Monday, then we'll go in for sure. And that night before that Monday night, I went to bed late, like 11 something because she wasn't moving a lot. I was paranoid. I didn't feel good. And she moved at like 11 something at night. And I'm like, okay, I can go to sleep. I can rest now. And then Tuesday, all of that happened. So, you know, we get to the local hospital and yeah, they couldn't find her heartbeat on the Doppler. So the nurse got the doctor and the ultrasound machine. And at that point, they just looked at us and you know, they said, you know, verbatim, there's no cardiac activity. And we, I just remember screaming like I've never screamed before. And I was like flailing. I was kicking the air and holding JT and just pleading with whoever would listen that this wasn't true and that she was just fine the night before. And we just checked on her. She was fine. And I remember the nurse put a wash rag kind of bunched up by my mouth because I was screaming so loud. And that will like stick to me forever because in hindsight, I'm like, how dare you muffle my scream? I just found out that my baby died. And then we kind of caught our breath for a second and I realized it's Tuesday. Like my midwife, who I absolutely adore, is on call in the hospital on Tuesdays. And I was like, Can, let's get a hold of her. I want to talk to her. We called her and she told us to come in whenever we're ready and we'll get things going. So we did. We grabbed our bags from home and we went to the hospital. And on the way, we called our parents and let them know and they were ended up meeting us at the hospital and just waiting in the waiting room for hours on end. And we got induced then. And I was super pro having a very natural labor and delivery. And I wanted that so bad. I had read so many books. And I was ready for a all natural water birth and the least intervention as possible. And to get induced just sucked on top of everything else. It was just so backwards from everything that I wanted on top of losing her. But really, we had 
such a beautiful labor and beautiful delivery. It was fairly easy. I was pretty short in the grand scheme of things. Labored for about 12 hours or so. And I ended up getting an epidural when I was fully dilated just because I wanted to be mentally present when she was born and be able to not have that kind of amnesia from pain, which gosh, that was a godsend. Once you get an epidural, you're like, why did I go through so many hours of agony? (laughs) And I was petrified to see her, to be honest. I was because at that point, we didn't know what, why she died or what had happened to her. And I was so scared. I was so scared to see what she looked like because what if it was obvious? And what if it was obvious that something was wrong with her? And I was scared of what that looked like. And my midwife was incredible and walked me through everything and made sure that it was the labor and delivery that I wanted. And she was born on February 13th at 1220 in the afternoon. And it was the craziest, slowest, like minute, that last kind of push when she was born and how quiet it was in her room. You know, not something you expect when you're delivering a baby to have such quiet. We had music playing in the background and all you could hear was all of us crying. And I remember asking them to just clean her up a little bit. And then I wanted her on me to have skin to skin. And I remember asking my midwife, like, does she look okay? Does she look normal? And she just said she's beautiful. She laid her on me and we got the best time with her. She laid naked skin on my chest for, gosh, like... I want to say close to two hours and we just studied her and cried and talked to her and kissed her and did everything that you would if your baby would have been alive, to be honest. And now it was so special. I will forever cherish that couple hours where it was just him, JT, Boston and I just snuggling and studying her every little inch of her body. And then they did the normal thing, you know, they bathed her, they weighed her. She weighed six pounds, five ounces, and they wrapped her up. They, you know, I I was so nervous to dress her. And in hindsight, that's a big regret I have. I wish I would have bathed her myself and I wish I would have dressed her myself. But they wrapped her up and swaddled her like they would any other baby. And they handed her to us. And our parents got to meet her, which was special. And the nurses treated her like like any other baby. They talked to her and they told her how cute she was and they treated her so respectably and it was just in it's weird to say it was a great experience because how could it have been but I think you know had this experience happened, you know it had to happen. It was a good experience. We were very lucky to spend about 18 hours with her. We spent the night with her right in between us. We did not sleep, like, at all. I did not want to miss any time, and it's crazy to look back. I don't really remember the time, like, what time of day it was. But looking back at our photos, it's just amazing to see, like, us up at, you know, she's born at 
in the afternoon and then at eight o'clock and midnight and 2 a.m. and 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. And we just were up all night just studying her and loving on her and wishing that it wasn't real and all of the above. So she, we just, you know, celebrated, if you will, her six month half birthday on August 13th. And it's wild. It's wild. It's been that it's been six months. It's, it's crazy. It's only been six months. It's just, it's, it's been just insane. Like I said, in the kind of my intro is it's our world has been completely flipped upside down and we are so different and so changed in every aspect of our life. But I love telling that story as hard as it is because nobody, you know, nobody really asks the details and I I love the details because that's all I have. So thank you for letting me (laughs) tell you all of that. (laughs) Thank you for sharing. Yeah. It's very powerful and I got to pull myself together. I'm just so <laughs> <Okay>. grateful. <laughs> I think it's important to feel it. You know, we talk about that yeah, on, on this do, podcast all the time. It's like, that's, we, we get to remember her and you get to remember that day. <laughs> and by telling the story, like yeah. that's, that's one thing that unites us as people is storytelling. And, and that's how yeah. we hold on to memories. And mm-hmm. I'm just so grateful that you. <laughs> and the more I, the more I share it, it's, it's hard just as it was to get through that. But I, it makes me smile kind of at the same time because it's, it's what I have of her, her mm-hmm. birthday, you know, her yeah. labor, her, that's her, that's, you know, how she got into this world was that day as hard as it was. And I, I love telling it. I really do. And yeah, you know, you told it beautifully. Yeah. <laughs> oh, <thank you. laughs> I was like, kind of like there was moments when I was laughing and then like crying right. and uh, head to toe chills, goosebumps. So right. you're, you're incredible. Right. You are so amazing. And I'm so grateful yeah. for you for sharing. And, um, man, what a, what a journey. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Whew. <laughs> <laughs> Heavens. Okay. So, um, I know through, this is kind of, I kind of want to move backwards here, but just most recently you, yeah. you celebrated, you know, her, her six months and I know you guys kind of, you, you left for a while. You kind of yeah. took a break from, from life, which I imagine, yep. you know, life has got to be a lot right now. So what was that mm-hmm. like? Where did you guys go? And yeah. do you have any things that, that you're open to sharing of ways that you continue to honor and, and remember and love on her? Sure. Yeah. We, so I knew for that day, it was a big one, just like it is if, you know, your, your baby lives six months is a milestone. So I I knew I wanted to get out of, out of service. And that's something since, you know, losing her, I, cr- I crave solitude and, you know, quiet and peace and not in, in the least distract or the, yeah, the least distractions as I, I can hang on to in this world. It's hard to, <laughs> to get that, you know, in the day of social media and just the hustle and bustle of life. So I knew I wanted to get out of service and be outside. Cause I've really felt this connection with nature and being out in fresh air and the sun and just being close to her and being able to think about her. I crave that. So I'm yes, I'm excited for fall, but I dread that because those days are are limited now as we go into those months. But we ended up going on a hike. It's called Tolmy Peak here in, in Washington, and it has an old fire lookout at the top of the peak, and it's surrounded by all these little 
you know, little lakes and bodies of water that are just like so clear and you can see the bottom and there's no service up there. (laughs) And it was a beautiful about six mile hike. And then we just sat on the top and we had brought, we have a couple things that just kind of are her symbols or her items that we kind of bring everywhere we go. That's a new experience. So we had brought in her picture that's kind of the staple photo that we use for everything and have all over our house. And we brought her Boston bear and that's a bear from the company called Healing Embrace that gives families a weighted bear. That's the exact weight of their baby. So JT lugged the six pound teddy bear up to the top. And then we also brought her little crocheted bumblebee And we sat up there and we took photos together and we just talked about her and it was a really good day. As weird as that sounds, it was, we laughed a lot and we just talked and we just kind of checked in with like, can you believe that six months has passed? And, and kind of just, we reflected on how the last six months has been and what were the kind of peaks and, you know, pits of that and kind of what we want to keep doing moving forward and what is, has been important to us and keeping her around and talked about. And it was a good day. It was beautiful. We did plan to go. We have half of her ashes at a cemetery that's local to us with her headstone on it. We were going to go there, but I just felt this weird feeling in my gut that I, I wouldn't be good going there on that day. Cause I did have a good day and it was a beautiful day. And the cemetery makes me so sad. It really is. It's a drag of a place. I don't love it. (laughs) I don't love going there. It makes me really sad to see her name in a cemetery surrounded by, she's in quote unquote baby land of the cemetery. So she's surrounded by all other little babies and kids that have passed away. And it's just a sad place. So I didn't end up going there. JT had gone the next day on his way to work. He really likes it. And that's a place of comfort for him. But yeah, it was a it was a really nice day. So kind of what we do to keep her around in our everyday is one of the things is the bumblebee. When I was in the hospital with her, I was so tired <laughs> when I was just starting to get induced, but I, I could barely sleep. But every time I dozed off for just any amount of time, I remember being in the sun and I was surrounded by bumblebees, like not the honeybees that sting you, but the cute little fuzzy bumblebees. And I would wake up kind of in a panic because I don't love bees, <laughs> to be honest. And I did that like two or three times. And then our nurse brought in a quilt that volunteers at their hospital make for babies that are born sleeping. And on that blanket was a ton of bumblebees. And it was just kind of like this weird kind of spiritual out-of-body experience, like what the heck is with bumblebees? So that's stuck. And we had called her baby bee since I gotten, you know, since we found out her name and that she was a girl. And so the bumblebee is just kind of her symbol. It comforts me whenever I see a bumblebee. I now have so much lavender planted at my house and different little plants that people have brought me that attract bumblebees. So that's one thing that we definitely find comfort in is the bumblebee. And it's sweet. We have friends that see a bumblebee and they take a photo and they send it to us. And there's like 
Boston visit me today or one of our really good friends, our best friends, their little girl is somebody that we're very, very, very close with. She's kind of like our little buddy. And she wears a bumblebee t-shirt and she says it's Boston's shirt and just things like that. It just really comforts us. But the biggest worry that I had, you know, coming home from the hospital and the initial shock and waves of grief was that people were going to forget about her or stop saying her name or stop asking us about her or stop telling us that they're thinking about her. And that is something that I'm like, I refuse. I refuse to let that happen. Whatever that looks like, it's not going to happen. She's our baby. She's our daughter. She will forever be our firstborn. And it's a big fear of mine. And it's, 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 you know, going back to like that community thing that I said at the beginning, it's amazing to see the people that honor that and really live with her in their life as if she would have been here. And then those that kind of shy away and and think like, oh, this is just a tragedy and time will heal. And as time passes, it will get better. And that is the most false statement ever. And that's just something I refuse to believe. So we do a lot of things kind of in her in her honor. I definitely feel that JT and I are changed in the way that we just live our life and the way that we treat other people. I, I honestly believe that I'm a much kinder person than I was before her. And I think that she did that to me. And same goes with him. You know, he is a police officer, so he deals with some really hard situations and some really unruly, cruel people. But I believe that he is kinder to those people and knows that they have a story somewhere, you know, in the depths of them and he treats them better. And, you know, that's comforting for us as well to know that she kind of lives within us and that she's changed us a lot. And then, you know, we've done some really big things <laughs> to honor her and keep her going in everybody's lives and conversations. So, I mean, it was probably a mere week from coming home from the hospital. And I had this thought, like, I don't want anybody to not have a piece of her or talk about her or, or anything. Cause it, as you could imagine it, it probably would be easy if nobody talked about her, that she just kind of would be a memory and it would fade over time or whatever. But I, that would not happen in my life and with her. And I refuse to let that happen to her. So I thought of this like to do a keychain, to do a keychain that people could purchase in support of us and in support of the stillbirth and loss community. And that keychain, I wanted to be specific to her. So we came up with Boston's Beads and Boston's Beads are these just cute little quaint keychains that two of my friends designed and they have a little bronze bee on the end of it. And I cannot tell you how many people have those keychains on their car keys, on their diaper bags, on their backpacks, on their, my friends at work have them on their work badges. And that, seeing those out in the community is so powerful for us. And it just touches us so much because we feel like they carry her with them and they love her and they honor her um, by having those. So yeah, that's a, a really big way that we started to keep her around. And it's pretty crazy to see the amount of people that have them that aren't, that don't know us personally. 
I was at an event, just a little small story. (laughs) I was at an event in June and this gal had came up, we were selling the the beads and this gal came up and she's like, oh my gosh, these are Boston's beads. I have one of these. And I didn't say anything at first. And I was just like, oh, you do? How did you get one of Boston's beads? Tell us more kind of thing. And she's like, you know, my friend gave it to me who used to, who went to nursing school with Boston's mom. And we were just so touched by the story. And then I just stopped her and I was like, I'm Boston's mom. And we just cried. And I thanked her for carrying her with with her and by telling people her story, she's like, I get asked all the time where I got this keychain and it gives me a chance to tell people about your daughter. And I love that. And oh man, that was so cool. I just sat back like such a proud mom. I was just like so proud in that moment. Like, oh my gosh, you're talking about my girl. And that's so cool. And I thanked her and that was pretty incredible. So those beads are still happening. They're still going out. It's pretty cool. I mean, six months later to still see orders come in for Boston's beads. And it's just, it's really cool. I love that. Man, I would love to find a way to maybe make those a part of our retreat we have coming in October. So we'll have to touch base. I think that'd be a really sweet gift for all the mamas and we can, we can all, you know, embrace for Boston. I think that'd be really special. Yeah, that would be really special. We'll have to talk about that. Yes. (laughs) And then my friend, actually, my really good friend created and completely orchestrated a nonprofit in honor of Boston in support of all pregnancy loss and stillbirth awareness for other families and moms that have gone through what I have and what, you know, our friends that have gone through miscarriages have. And we've done some really cool things. I write a blog on there and we're doing a 5K to raise money for the hospital that I delivered for or delivered at. And that's another cool way that, you know, Boston can live through all of us and she can help other people by, you know, me sharing her story can help another mom who's gone through it. And it's been kind of my, like my new little baby. I I get such butterflies whenever somebody comes to me and is like, Oh my gosh, I just had a friend that went through this or I'm going through a miscarriage, please help me or whatever. It's a way for her to help me help them. And I know that she gave that to me and I get to do that for her. And so it's really special and I love that. (laughs) So how can people find that resource? Um, We'll link to it in the show notes, but in case someone is listening and at their phone and wants to just look it up right away. Yeah. So the, the foundation is called baby steps foundation and we have a website, babystepsfoundation.org. And that has you know, everything on there as far as my story, a link to Boston's Beads, a link to our 5K here in October, a link to the blog and kind of what what our big mission and goals are for next year and what our plan is. So it's a it's a really great resource if you know somebody or you are somebody that, you know, has a story of loss that can reach out and just a way for all of us to connect. You know, connection mm-hmm. and community is huge to me now. And the comfort of having somebody else look at you or touch your shoulder and say, I know, I know what you're going through or I don't, but I'm here with you is, Mm -hmm. is super powerful. So we're hoping to grow. I mean, we're such a little tiny baby foundation, but we're doing pretty big things already and we have a good mission to back that. So I love it. And um, I've actually just in the past, like my, month I had a woman reach out to me just sharing like asking for a resource because she had just lost her daughter and I didn't know where to send her and so now just having this resource in and of itself is so powerful to give you know have something to offer to when someone is going through this because like we said early in the episode 
one in 160. That is, that is a lot of women who are, and Mm -hmm. husbands and partners and men and women and all that family is going through this. And it's, it's, and we need to talk about it. We need to have the conversation and we need to support each other. So I'm just, it's, Mm -hmm. it's incredible what you're doing. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it's, it is a big thing that we do need to talk about it. And it's amazing to see even firsthand how many people this happens to and the hush hush happens mm. automatically or that uncomfortable, like you see somebody, you know, in the grocery store and that just like uncomfortable dance of what they say or what they don't say. And it's just like, whoa, like, hold on. Like, let's just step back and say, this is my life and this is my story and this is what's happening. Like, talk to me. I see you just to be <laughs> yeah, seen. I see you. Yeah. Just to be seen and heard. It's huge. And it's, really opened all of our eyes, you know, those closest to us of how, how taboo and how hush it really is. And Mm -hmm. it's sad. I mean, death is such an uncomfortable topic and thing as is, but then you think, you know, death of a baby, like, uh, now I'm just not going to talk about that. That's way too hard. I'm not going to even brush the surface surface of that. And it's too bad because when you're living it, you need to talk about it. Absolutely. And I think that, I mean, from my side, knowing far less than, than I wish I did, but I'm learning. (laughs) I feel like Mm -hmm. the best thing we can do is, is just listen and be there and maybe, and ask questions. So I guess that leads to my next question, which is, you know, someone who is listening to this podcast and either has been through it or knows and loves someone who has, what have you found? Cause you, we talked early on again about how your community kind of shifted. And so I'm curious to know what that looked like and, and what were the things that people did in your life that were the most beneficial that did kind of, you know, help you feel supported and loved and seen? Yeah. So I think the biggest and most impactful thing is just to recognize it for what it is and not have a fix because you can't fix it. You can't change it. You can't take the pain away but you can sit with me or be on the phone with me or text me or whatever, and just sit and, and know that this isn't something that you can fix and have that be okay, but recognize it for what it is and not have a fix all. I think one of the biggest things and most helpful things for me is to have those that recognize that time, space, distance, and another baby, for example, will not heal us and they will, it will not it will not fix losing Boston. It will not make us feel better. And that is something that is, it's hard for people to understand because they think, you know, okay, if I just give her some space or if I distance myself, you know, she'll get better in a few months and then it'll be easier for me to talk to her because she won't be in this depressed state. And that's, it's just a false sense of reality. And unfortunately it's, you know, JT and I talk a lot about people just don't know. People don't know what to say. So sometimes they just don't. And I, I that's a big thing that I want, you know, through baby steps is to change is you please say something. If you're thinking about her, say something to me. If you want to, I don't know, drop by and say, hi, do it. If you want to call me and say, hey, how are you doing today? Like, is there anything I can do for you today? then please do it because you saying, how can I help you? Or is there anything I can do? I'm not going to be able to verbalize that because the only thing I'm going to tell you is, can you change time, please? And bring my baby back. So I think just people recognizing that they can't fix it. And please just continue to talk to me about her and don't shy away and don't create this distance because 
time and distance is not going to heal me and I'm not going to get better. I learned to live without her, you know, as the days and months go on, I'm learning what this life looks like, but there's not a moment that goes by that I'm not heartbroken. There's not a moment that goes by that something somebody says that maybe isn't the most appropriate thing doesn't hurt me. And there's not like a time frame on when I will get quote unquote better or life will get easier. And so I think just having people recognize, recognize it, recognize her and don't shy away from me and don't create distance because I'll tell you one thing, you know, the whole mama bear thing happens even if your baby doesn't live. (laughs) So, you know, people that have decided to distance themselves or take the time that they need to give themselves, you know, time to feel better to talk to me, those relationships and friendships are tainted and they're very, you know, bridges have been burned and it's really hard to recover from that because I'm protecting her still. And I feel the need to protect her and, and people that were there for me through my pregnancy and super excited for the baby and can't wait to come over and meet her now aren't there when the baby is not here. And when the baby died, you don't want to be around or, you know, I'm still here and the baby's not. So you don't have the want or the need to show your face or come around or be involved in our life. That stuff is you can't really repair that you can't really forgive that so that's the community shift I'm I guess I am talking about is is you realize in trauma and I think not just stillbirth but in any trauma that anybody goes through who your people are and you you appreciate those people more than ever you know I've had so many you know, my circle of friends has dwindled, but I have friends that are, were maybe not as close that are extremely close now because they are in my face. They're throwing themselves at me. They're talking about Boston, sharing about Boston and still a part of our life. And then that shift away from the people that I once was super, super close with and that have not done a very, you know, great job in my grief to be there. And, and then it's the community shift with the lost community and the amount of friends that I've made through Instagram, quite honestly, all around the country from babies that have, you know, from moms that have lost their babies within the last year or more is incredible. Some women I talk to on a daily basis. Some women I check in with me and I check in with them. Some women have saved my life. I swear saved me from extreme dark times, times where life just didn't make sense anymore. And they were there to say, just keep breathing, you know, go to sleep, wake up tomorrow's a new day. We got this. I see you. I'm here with you. And those relationships and those connections are so powerful because they get it and they know what it's like. I've actually connected with a couple of women here in Washington, which has been really amazing. And we all do things for each other's babies all the time. They all kind of have their little symbol and we share that with each other all the time. And it's so comforting to have those people understand and see you and get to walk kind of this journey in life with you because you can't walk the journey with a friend that's parenting, you know, their living newborn. I can't walk that journey with them. So I'm walking the journey of, you know, loss with other moms who have lost, lost their babies. So it's, it's pretty powerful, the community shift. That's for sure. 
Holy smokes. I can only imagine. Yeah. Just having that solidarity and that, like you said, I don't think there's much better way to put it. Like they, you're seen because they can, they can truly see you and walk with you because they're in it as well. That's got to be so powerful. And, and also a testimony to Instagram can be so weird and it can be toxic, but it can also be so powerful for bringing people together. Some so of my powerful. greatest friends have been made and like you and I connected through it. And now you get, now you're telling your story on the podcast. Right. The number of women you'll reach through this episode. That's very profound as well. Yeah. I'm no, I'm like a lover of Instagram now. I'm like, nope. The, the people I'm closest with now, like through Instagram, I'm just like, it's pretty crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> yeah. It's such a powerful tool. I love it. (laughs) Well, also, is there anything else you want to share? We'll make sure we link to everything you talked about. I, you know, I, I, I'm curious to know how things are like your relationship with your husband has shifted here, but I also want to, that's a, that can be a very private conversation. And it's just, you know, a question that it came to mind Yeah, knowing, you know, something like this is just, you mentioned earlier, it's life altering in so many ways. And it's, you said it's shifted and changed both of you. So if if there's anything you're open to touching on just in terms of your relationship with JT and, and, you know, living this together, I would, I would love to, to hear. Yeah. So no, I'm, I'm open to that. It's a good, it's a good question because I've learned and we've learned that something like this and in trauma in general can make or break a, a marriage or a relationship or a partnership, whatever it looks like. And, you know, we're actually really good. We're, we've, we're so much stronger now than we were before. And we look at each other a lot differently. You know, I have this huge respect for him for carrying me in those early days when I couldn't even function or take care of myself. And he looks at me with this, I can tell just so proud and, you know, his baby mama. I mean, it's just like, it's such a shift in that way. And we are really, really strong, but that doesn't go without, you know, troubles like anything. And men and women, women in the way that they grieve is pretty crazy (laughs) in the opposite that can happen. You know, he went to back to work about three weeks after she was born and the resentment set in. I was mad. I was like, how can you back to work like this? You know, are you okay? Talk to me. And, you know, men, I generalize this statement, but they're just, they, they thrive in the routine and the constant mental stimulation and just kind of going about life. And then it kind of catches up to them and they get overwhelmed and they break down and then they're on to the next cycle kind of thing where, again, I generalize us women are just loud and constant and emotional. So that has been an, a, an adjustment shift, um, just learning about each other and kind of doing the dance and anticipating where we're both at. You know, I crave, I just went back to work recently and the mental overstimulation is incredible. And the mental exhaustion is really hard being, you know, on for other people and taking care of other people's children where I come home and I need my dark, quiet, peaceful bedroom at eight o'clock at night, if that's what that means. And he comes home and he's telling me about his day and he's talking hundred miles a minute. And I'm just like, Oh my gosh, <laughs> give me a break here. I can't hear or talk to another single person today. So it's just, we've learned a lot. And I think that we do the dance of life and of marriage a lot better now because we've had to survive honestly together. And so I'm grateful for that because I've talked to a lot of moms who've gone through something similar or some kind of trauma where their relationships don't survive this because the resentment is that big and the misunderstanding is that huge. So 
I just love and appreciate him so much more now than I have ever before. That's for sure. So powerful. Because yeah. you could, you, you, we mentioned walking through this with other moms who've gone through it, through it, but no one has gone through it in the same way as your partner because yeah. you both lost your daughter. Right. So right. that's so powerful. Well, thank you for sharing. Yeah. Oh my gosh. <laughs> so many feelings right now. <laughs> Can I imagine? I'm just so grateful. Is there anything you want to wrap with? Where can our listeners find you? And connect. Yeah. And so anybody is welcome to contact me if they, you know, feel compelled to or have a story of loss. I love to hear from other moms and kind of have that connection. So I'm very open on my Instagram as well as on the foundation. So the foundation again is babystepsfoundation.org and that has contact information via email, a place for other moms to share their story that we feature on our blog. And then yeah, Instagram honestly is the best way, way to contact me personally. If you want to follow along on my story and see Boston, I post photos of her and just kind of what this life is like. Yes. And we will yeah. link to all of that in the show notes as well. And we'll share this Great. episode when it goes live and tag you so people can find you readily. And my hope Great. is that this can just continue to build conversation and connection and support and solidarity around a topic that is so important to talk about. Yeah. And I just, again, am so grateful for you, for your heart, for your daughter, for Boston, for sharing all of it. So thank you. Thank you. <laughs> and I thank hope too that we can continue to chat and talk and we should definitely connect about the retreat and getting those beads in the hands of the women who come and shoot if you yeah. want to come. We'd love to have you yeah. too, but it sounds like October is a big month with the race and everything. It is a big month. <laughs> but we will be in touch for sure. Yeah. Thank you again. I'm so grateful. And guys, you can find Sadal. So say your Instagram handle in case someone's on there right now. It's your name. It is my name, Sidel, S-Y-D-E-L-L-E underscore T as in Tom. Beautiful. And then you can find us at Modern Mamas Podcast, and we will be sharing this episode. And if you have thoughts, you know, stories, if you want to come share in comments, let's start a conversation. Let's talk. Let's support and love one another because that's what we're, we're in. We're here together. We're in this together. And that's all we can ask. So thank you for sharing. And you and I will talk soon. And thank you guys yeah. for listening. And we will talk to you next week. All right. Goodbye. Thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to our podcast. See you next time.